The Gospel lesson is written in the 14th chapter of Matthew, beginning at the 22nd verse. Please stand for the reading of the Gospel. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. One month ago, I was in England hosting the latest Faith Lutheran tour. I hope this is putting a smile on some of your faces because you were with me there. Uh, Traveling from the southeastern tip of the country uh, to the northern border with Scotland, we saw places connected with the Christian history of England. Visiting one of the great history museums of the world, the British Museum in London, we saw artifacts connected with scripture. This was the sixth Christian education tour I've hosted for the people of faith. And of course, the very first faith Lutheran tour I hosted was to Israel in May of 2012. While these trips are always great fun, they're also wonderful moments to grow in faith and understanding. One of our most memorable experiences in the Holy Land was a boat ride on the Sea of Galilee, after which we visited a museum that showcased the remains of a wooden fishing boat from the time of Jesus. Uh, This was a look at the type of boat used by Jesus and his disciples, some of whom were fishermen. It's the kind of boat that would have been used on the Sea of Galilee in today's gospel reading. That gospel story is one of the most famous in scripture. The image of Jesus walking on the waves is a powerful one. Today we're going to talk about the Old Testament insights into this passage and understanding of Peter's participation in this New Testament account and the lessons in this story for us today. The first thing to focus on is this is an eyewitness account. One of the men in the boat, Matthew, 
writes this story down so that those who were not there know this truth. Even before darkness falls and this dramatic scene unfurls, it's been quite a day for Jesus and the inner circle of 12 disciples. The day starts out with bad news, really bad news. Jesus gets word that John the Baptist has been beheaded. Understandably troubled, Jesus tries to get away for some alone time. Matthew tells us that Jesus gets into a boat and goes to a desolate place by himself. But Jesus has become a sensation in the area, and the crowds follow along the shore of the Sea of Galilee. So Jesus goes ashore, wading into the midst of the throng. They're full of needs, and despite his own sorrow, Jesus has compassion on them. He loves and heals in this desolate place. And then he loves and heals some more. The sun dips low on the horizon, and still the crush of people is around him. Thousands have come. It's evening now, and everyone's hungry. The disciples see an easy next step. Just tell everyone the day is done. Go to the nearby villages and get some food. But Jesus has no intention of sending away this hungry, needy multitude. You know what happens next, right? Jesus feeds the crowd of thousands. First, he instructs the crowds to sit down. And then he picks up the five loaves and two fish, which are the only food available. He raises his eyes to the heavens and asks a blessing on this food. Then this small bit of food is given to the disciples to distribute to the masses. 5,000 men plus women and children are fed and satisfied. There's even lots of leftovers. It's a picture of providential abundance. As soon as everyone's fed, Jesus makes his disciples get into the boat and head across the Sea of Galilee. He stays behind to dismiss the crowds. When they've gone, he climbs a slope to pray alone on a high place as darkness falls. The disciples ride the waves on a windy evening. The boat rocks far from shore, and darkness surrounds them. Hours pass. And then in the wee hours before dawn, the disciples know a new terror. They see something that just cannot be. A figure of a man comes towards them in the darkness, walking on the waves. Terrified of the specter, they cry out. But as soon as they do, they're reassured. Jesus speaks to them, It is I. Do not be afraid. The original Greek words of our New Testament that our Bibles translate into English as it is I are ego eimi. Literally translated, this means I am. Jesus refers to himself this way repeatedly. And of course, the mind drifts to God on Mount Sinai speaking to Moses saying, 
what he should be called. I am who I am is the answer in Exodus 3.14. Tell the people, I am has sent you. At the end of his life, when the Jewish leadership interrogates Jesus, they ask him if he's the Messiah, the Son of God. I am is the reply. I am. That's in Mark 14.62. Jesus' answer and the way he phrases it are blasphemy in the eyes of the Jews. It's that powerful a statement. Jesus, in using this terminology, I am, declares he is God. He says it as he strides on the waves of the Sea of Galilee. By walking on water, Jesus demonstrates he is divine and has power over the forces of nature. Jesus is indeed one with the Father, having power and authority equal with the Father. So the disciples are in the sea-tossed boat, enveloped in darkness, struggling against a wind when Jesus comes to them by walking to them out on the waves. Jesus is giving them a sign, and they're supposed to get what it means. He's giving them a sign about who he is. He is God incarnate. He has power over the natural forces that scare them. Jesus talks like God. I am. Jesus walks like God. And then things get even more interesting. Jesus is not the only one who's going to walk on the waves tonight. Ever-eager Peter asked Jesus to command him to walk on the water too. Note that Peter wants a command from Jesus to do this. He doesn't just step out all on his own. Jesus says, come. And Peter gets out of the boat. Imagine the thrill when he does not sink but puts one foot in front of the other on the waves. No doubt Peter's amazed as well as the other disciples in the boat too. Peter walks on water. And then when he's within reach of Jesus, Peter starts to sink. The waves that had been around his ankles are now lapping at his waist. He cries out, Lord, save me! And of course, Jesus does, simply reaching out his hand to his disciple, who's so near he can just take hold of him. Many sermons and lessons have been written on Peter's failure to have enough faith. But the real lesson for us is seeing Peter get out of the boat. He's doing what a disciple should do, living life in imitation of the master. The ones who fail in this story are the other disciples, the ones who stay in the boat. They hear and see the same sign, but they just sit there. Peter alone steps out on the waves. The boat's full of other men, but only Peter indicates he wants to come to Jesus. Stepping out, he knows the exhilaration 
of feeling the water beneath his feet. However, he also learns what it is to sink below the waves grasping for the hand of the Lord. Peter took a big risk in obedience. Jesus says, come, and Peter does just that. Things go amazingly great for a while. Don't you suppose Peter's glad he took the risk and obeyed? When it all goes wrong after a bit, does Jesus let Peter drown? Of course not. Peter's feeling desperate. He calls out for his Lord to save him, and Jesus saves him. Here's the lesson for all of us in this story. Ponder this question. Are you following Jesus with Peter's commitment and courage? When Jesus says, come, are you willing to step out and do the thing you cannot do on your own? Do you have enough confidence in Jesus to get out of the boat? Do you trust Jesus enough to know that if and when you fail, he will reach out his hand? Or are you just content to sit in the boat and watch? Because it looks difficult, perhaps even impossible. When I sit at the computer in my office here at church, I face a wall. Two things hang on that wall. A crucifix and a prayer. Many days I need to pray this prayer more than once. This is what the prayer says. O Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of the Eternal Father, Thou hast said, apart from me you can do nothing. In faith I embrace thy words, O Lord, and bow before thy goodness. Help me to complete the work I'm about to begin for thine own glory. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Serving Christ is not for wimps. It requires guts to step out of the boat. And it requires humility to know that we can do nothing without the Lord. It requires wisdom to know we can do anything with God. Serving Christ is never easy. So often I hear people say that God must not want them to do such and so because he's placed so many obstacles in their path. Sometimes these obstacles are referred to as closed doors. The next thing I'm going to say is important. A difficult task with many obstacles is not a sign that God has closed the door. Over and over in the Bible, we read of God's people facing grueling and amazing obstacles. Think of the Apostle Paul, beaten, stoned, and eventually martyred. Paul certainly never says, well, God's made this witnessing thing so difficult, he must not want me to do it. Paul's God-given work must still go on, even though obstacles abound. Perseverance is required. Paul recognizes the power always belongs to God, and to him alone goes the glory. This is the way Paul phrases it in 2 Corinthians 12. 
I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. If you feel called by God to complete a task, don't be thwarted by difficulty. Expect it. And rely on the hand of Jesus to support you in the struggle. Get out of the boat. You'll only know the thrill of walking on the waves if you're willing to take that step of faith. Amen.